Welcome to this very special episode of Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show co-hosted by me, Big Tone, together with my co-host and daughter, Little Tone. Uh, now, this last week we had we were discussing a legal case in the United States, uh, the trial of Derek Chauvin, uh, the killer of uh, George Floyd, and we had fantastic feedback from, from uh, you all, dear listeners, so thank you so much for that. We love to read what you have to say, um, and uh, we really enjoyed the conversation. This week, we're sticking with a legal topic. Uh, there was an, uh, an article appeared in, in the uh, Guard <gasps> Guardian on Friday um, entitled, Jury Acquits Extinction Rebellion Protesters Despite Them Having No Defense in the Law. Um, and uh, I know Littletone has a great interest in this particular topic, but we have a special guest with us today, um, who I'm going to, uh, she has a special connection to this case, a very special connection and interest in this case. We really want to hear from her, but I'm going to get, let Little Tone introduce and tell you who our special guest is. Over to you, Little Tone. Who is our special guest today? Who is our special guest today? It's my sister, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tracy, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. First time having you on. I hope it won't be the last time. <laughs> Tracy is my eldest, my firstborn. Um, uh, I'm that sounds so super, creepy and super Catholic. proud of all four of my daughters. I'm super proud of them all equally. But me the most. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to stress that. Um, so Tracy Kay has a particular interest in this uh, really, really interesting case, which of course revolves around the whole uh, climate change emergency and Extinction Rebellion's uh, protests about it. Uh, but I think it'd be really helpful, Tracy Kay, if you could just maybe start off by telling us about what you, what you do for your living in your professional life and how that leads you to have a connection with this case. Mm, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Our pleasure. Um, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so what I do, so I work with, um, I work with individuals and businesses um, and I work on the same topic with, with both. I work on their, helping them make more contact with the essence of who they are and what they stand for. So that could be somebody on their individual path, or it might be a, a team, or it might be a whole organization seeking to understand what it is that really holds them together, what they're really about, what they stand for, what direction they're heading in. Um, and, um, uh, and once we've kind of got in touch with that sense of their essential thread, then I'm looking at how they, how that manifests out into their conversations with the world, how they engage with others and to try and help them um, come into more congruence, more alignment with their um, innermost knowing. So right. the, reason, the reason that I kind of wanted to bring that in here is because um, In the work of why, when you're working on essential threads and you're looking at someone else's vision and you're looking for the future, 
um, or certainly what I found in it is you can't help but start to see where things might run out. So when I'm from working with businesses through the years, I've been discovering that as I'm helping them understand what they're here for, I'm also noticing that the current strategies and plans that they have have an end date to them. You know, there'll be a, there's a time when resources will run out. There's a time where their way of their practices won't make sense anymore. And it's kind of through this path that I've followed that I discovered. Um, not discovered, nobody discovers climate <laughs> crisis, <laughs> I, but I discovered my role in it is to help companies make contact with how they engage in the world and the potential damage that they're doing to it. Um, so it's kind of, it's been an accidental path for me. So, yeah. uh, and of course, this particular case that we're, we're talking about um, yeah. could involve, could have even involved uh, the sort of company that you would work with. In this case, I, it isn't such a company. I believe it's it, it, the um, the protest targeted Shell for ver you know for, for various reasons. Yeah. But uh, it could have been, I suppose, equally one of your clients. So, sort of, mm. how do you feel about that? How do you feel mm. about the fact that it it could be one of the companies that you were actually helping? Yes, um, yes, I think that's very true. Um, and, and it's not it's not that kind of climate is my I'm not an expert in climate at all it's just that for me it's just a natural place for all conversations to start heading when we're talking about the future of things um so how do I feel about it um I feel I would feel lovingly willing to stand at any point in this conversation because I think and what XR has certainly been doing, what Extinction Rebellion has certainly been doing, is bringing the conversation together. It, it's it's trying to get the conversation between society, uh, in this case the law courts, big business, a specific organisation to to meet and converse about uh, something that affects all of us. So it's not so much that I see myself whilst whilst I have been in support of Extinction Rebellion's work, it's not that I see myself against Shell in an opposing place to them. It's that I have a great longing to be in, in dialogue with everybody where we're saying, hey, this isn't working anymore. What do we do now? So that perhaps brings us neatly to, to um, what your special interest, since you, you weren't working with Shell, what your yeah. special interest here um, yeah. in this case has been mm. so um so in this case um i've come into it a little bit late i wasn't actually uh i didn't join the protests in 2019 um i've joined other ones since but not that one which is when it took place um but i've come into contact with those that have done since we've moved here because we've moved to stroud which is the home of extinction rebellion it's where the co-founders began yes uh, began the movement and in moving here and through our very dear friends, uh, met um, some of the people involved. And um, in that conversation, and it, simply in coming to meet people in my new local area, it was, it was suggested that I might be able to support a particular person in preparing them for this court case, um, preparing them around their message, what it is that they wanted to share, because all of them, as you will have read, um, self-represented and uh, 
that that's not something any of them had done before. I have no legal, by the way, background to be able to advise on legal messaging. Uh, but what I uh, what, what I was able to do is to really help them um, look at the journey that they've been on through their lives and to see that they've been completely congruent in all of their actions. Something that's often um, thrown in uh, Extinction Rebellion's face is that it's um, made up of people that have just sort of jumped in on in the opportunity to do something a bit dramatic. And actually, what I've, everyone I've met has been on this path throughout their lives. So um, my role was to really help one of them prepare their um, message that they wanted to bring to court, feel really resourced in themselves to do it, to know that, um, uh, that this was actually, although it was starting to feel, as you can imagine, for the people in the family, like a climax, because they, many of them have got children, or, um, but that, that there was something beyond this, that they would still carry on with their work in the world, they would still carry on bringing this message beyond the shell case. Yeah, I must, I must say, I, when you first started um, sharing this with me, you, what you were, were doing here, and it probably came out in what I was saying, what I was asking about, I felt very, very concerned for mm. the the people um, that you were helping. Well, I know you were helping one particular person, but I felt very mm. concerned about all of the, I think it's six, wasn't it? Six people, because um, it didn't seem to me from a legal perspective that they really had any defense. Yes. Um, and... Uh, uh, and, of, and of course, they faced the prospect, the possibility uh, of up to five years imprisonment, um, yeah. uh, you know, along with all the other things that go, go with uh, having a, you know, serious criminal conviction. And so I did feel very, very concerned. And I must say, um, I was, you know, when you told me that the, of the outcome, and I, I think we should just say for, for the sake of the listeners who perhaps don't know about this because we have listeners all around the world and a lot in America and Canada. Um, this was, uh, uh, I think probably everyone around the, knows, the world knows about Extinction Rebellion's views on climate change and on taking action, you know, positive action. But this case involved essentially criminal, the allegation that criminal damage was done to Shell's London headquarters mm -hmm. by these six people who admitted that they had done deliberately um, caused damage, as I understand it. Um, but, they, they, but their position was that they felt justified um, because the, you know, what they were protesting about was so serious um, that um, it, it justified that sort of action. But it came down to a situation where the judge, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know much more about the case than I do, but it came down to a situation where the judge of the, in the Crown Court had uh, ruled that only one of the six had an arguable defence. That's not to say that person had a defence that would succeed, yeah. merely an arguable defence, but the other five had no defence in law. And, and that was, I think, what really worried me about it, because I thought, mm. where are these people going to go with this? But as it happened, the judge, I think, was you know really bent over backwards in many ways. I mean, he allowed them to present present their views, their beliefs, fully, 
um, in court. They did that. Mm. And the jury, even though they, the jury was directed by the judge that they had no defense, five of them, mm-hmm. and that they had no defense in law and that, you know, really he was essentially saying, you know, if you follow, if you do what you're supposed to do, you'll convict them. That's what, that was the, what he was really saying. But they nevertheless, you know, took a completely contrary position Yes. And acquitted all six, which is, you know, a very unusual, unprecedented as far as I'm concerned. But I mean, a a momentous thing. And I mean, I'm sure that they feel elated by that. And I'm sure that the movement as a whole feels uh, very elated by that. Yes. Yes. It's certainly breathing a lot of life back into, um, you know, given that we have all the, um, as you say, the kill the bill, um, protests going on around the new kind of clamping down on any protesting at all. I think this, uh, this sentence has been increased to 10 years now and some fines mm. going up. So I think that's felt, whilst a lot of people are finding resolve, I think a lot of people that were um, maybe already feeling quite courageous doing, you know, coming to protest have fallen away. And so that has, uh, this is breathing new life back in there for sure. So there's that part. I just want to say there there are actually seven of them that went that um, uh, that were in this group. The, the six is that one of them uh, is a breastfeeding mother who had three children at home. She needed to go and homeschool, and she simply didn't have the means um, in all ways to be able to stand in court for two to three weeks. So she mm. pleaded guilty on day one so that she could go home. She had a child outside the courtroom. You're not allowed to bring children in courtrooms. Um, so uh, so there are seven of them, six of them pleaded not guilty. Right. Um, so that, that well, thank, thanks for that clarification, because that means, therefore, that she will be sentenced. And it'll, it's going to be very interesting to see what that same judge does, mm. uh, knowing that the others have been let off. Yes. I think he's got a very difficult decision to yeah. make there. But I don't want to monopolize this because I'm conscious of the fact that Little Tone also is very interested in this subject and uh, uh, and uh, may well have something to say about this and about Extinction Rebellion. I don't know what your position is on Extinction Rebellion, Little Tone, and uh, about specifically about this damage that was done to Shell's headquarters. Well, you know how I feel about um, protesting. I think it's a necessary thing in order to progress society. I don't, it's not my choice of activism, but I think it's necessary. Um, and, uh, uh, it's not the action that I would have taken, but I think that, um, a lot of these people have had to do shocking things to be listened because these companies keep progressing and destroying the planet for profit, and they're not held accountable. So, I don't see how, you know, individual. I don't see how people are supposed to get them to listen, mm. you know. So um, I kind of again, I I'm understand uh, why they did it, but this case is just I think so moving because, like you've already said, Dad, um, from a legal point of view, it seems like it would be quite easy to just convict them for criminal damage, but mm. the fact that they had, I think, probably quite an unusual jury of people that yep. you know they, they took they took seven hours to go over it so it wasn't like they you know they were biased in any way or anything 
Um, and the conclusion they came to was, I think, just so compassionate and progressive and uh, I, I'm just kind of like, I, I just find it really emotional, really. It's just what um, was what was really shocking yeah I, thank you for that I, what, what was really interesting to me is that the jury um actually asked to see their oath the oath that they had sworn again they wanted to revisit the oath that they had sworn which is an indication to me that they really took their job seriously and mm. they wanted to operate within with as far as they could within the rules uh, yeah. And they obviously came to the conclusion that the wording of the oath allowed them to do the thing that they wanted to do, which was to acquit. Mm. So you were you were saying, um, Tracy Kay, about the um, uh, that you wouldn't necessarily stand in opposition to Shell, but but would yeah. would you smash their windows? Mm. I don't know. Maybe I feel more compelled to. <laughs> 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 not um actually uh, there's a couple of things that are uh, a couple of thoughts that i have about it um uh i wanted to can i just say one other thing that's just really mm, of course on. thank yep. you sorry um because i would like to come back to say that and i'll probably forget because my mind is a bit scatty today um it was emotional for lots of reasons and i really caught hold of that as you said that Tony, because I, I feel like you were bringing in a really important quality, and Dad, you said it as well about you know this worry, the, the worry for these people that have decided to put their own lives on hold or at mm. great risk um, in order to bring a message that they so deeply believe um, that that's really emotional in itself. It's two years since it happened, and it's uh, and so it's also two years ago since. Polly Higgins died, who is the lawyer who was uh, championing ecocide as a message and seeking to bring um, into the International Criminal Court something that would hold governments and corporations to account over what they were doing. And so they actually wrote on the wall in the messages that they put onto the Shell building for Polly. And yes. Polly watched the video of the action from her, her bed as she was dying. Mm. One of the, I think, as I understand, one of the very last things that she witnessed. Um, so it was very, very moving. So it's very moving that it's two years on since then. It's on, it's, it's on the anniversary of Polly's passing. It's also Earth Day last week. So we just had lots and lots of things going on. You know, this, this um, something that feels like it's hitting the in-between spaces in the conversation. You know, our law takes us to a certain point. Our social obligations and desires take us to a certain point. Our, our corporations act to a certain point, but we're meeting all these gray areas where things haven't moved quite at the pace that we need them to. We don't have quite enough connection going on. So so when, you, when you're asking about whether I would go and, if I would go and smash Charles windows, <laughs> It's, it's not something that I know in myself, but I don't think the people that did it have, have ever thought. In fact, I know that, um, that they haven't done things like that before, that this, this was the, the boldest move that they'd made. So there's something that's urging those that are most in touch with all of this, that is urging people to take it further, get louder, be more in the face, be 
inviting conversations in more difficult places and they they specifically did the amount of damage that they did they chose glass for example to be broken because it was recyclable it was the least damage the, the, the most manageable amount of damage that could be done they chose chalk paints and things that looked like oil but weren't so yeah. it was very carefully considered in order that they could get into the crown courts in order that they could have a jury um yes. exile's belief is that if you appeal to a bunch of regular people they'll actually make great decisions when they're given the right information versus the sort of environment where we've come to where the people are actually disempowered from having any um, opinions about things and both the state and corporations make ultimate decisions about how we live our lives so i think that's another level of emotion in it is that, that there's something there's something in all of us going hang on a minute <laughs> This isn't really working. It's not working anymore. Yeah, and uh, the so I I do I must say I do have um, reservations about whether whether this kind of protest is the most effective. Um, <clears throat> because I mean I'm I'm conscious of when they were when they were sort of holding traffic up in London and stuff like that. There was there seemed to be a lot of public against them. Um, because they were inconveniencing their lives, and I'm, I'm wondering whether, uh, I wonder whether the important thing here is to change hearts and minds. And, and the that's a much longer. That's a much longer game, Dad. <laughs> and well, we don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You know what, Tony? Uh, I I think of it rather like if you, our own sort of. Um, it's not a campaign because I'm not a campaigner in this space, but, uh, but veganism, you know, we talk about veganism and, uh, you know, as you, you yourself have concluded, the be you have decided that the best way of, of, of championing the cause of uh, veganism is not to lecture to people and, and is not to take direct action, but to subtly influence them. I think that's what you've told me in the past. Yeah, about veganism, but I'm not, that's not my approach with all activism. I think that there is a real immediate need to make change. You know, the, the, the climate crisis is coming at us a lot quicker. And um, that does include veganism. Um, yes. big, it obviously in includes way. the, o it includes the ocean as well, which is why we chatted about sea spiracy yeah. recently too. And, and for me, the reason why I went vegan was because of, uh, because of the ocean really um, but I think that uh, there is a need to with any kind of activism I think you have to kind of bear in mind what kind of a reaction you need and you know if these people was you know were out campaigning trying to have honest conversations with people it, they're not going to get anywhere because unfortunately, I think humans are, I think humans are inherently selfish and they, they, a lot of them are much more concerned about the lifetime that they live in right now and um, they're meeting their needs and that's not going to serve the planet. And, um, but in a democracy, you, know, you have to persuade. And uh, the reason I link it to, to veganism is I think we... What people often say against veganism is people have to have personal choice. But democracy and, and is a privilege. Making, 
people are it's making, a privilege yes but people are making personal choices for instance to go out and buy shell's products um, no but they are they do that without the information that's what i'm saying it's a privilege because democracy only exists for those who have the information to choose something you know a lot a lot of these people are living day to day not making deep decisions about who they financially support they're just trying to get on with their lives and get to their jobs and you know bring food home for their family um yeah. and they so don't want to have I a don't... protest on the bridge so they can't get there well, no well and that's and that's why they're meeting opposition i think because sorry tracy you go yeah yeah come in no sorry i was just thinking I think the idea that we're living in a democracy I've, is kind of questionable for me. I think democracy has a, a sort of a sliding scale to it, and I feel that it's tightened up massively right now um, and is going more in a tighter direction where actually we have much less influence than we think that we do. I agree with that. And that um, mm -hmm. even if even if every single person went vegan tomorrow, um, I don't think, I think, I think the science shows we're not going to get the depth of system wide systems change that we need so we actually need a much bigger movement both at individual level and big system level and that it's almost an illusion that if we all think about our level of personal choice that we we, we start to believe we have some kind of agency and we also continually feel busy with our guilt about what we are and aren't doing and our finger yeah. pointing what the next person's doing and so totally i i, I see it as it's it's a piece but the, the bigger piece is how the very biggest systems around us work, that we do have voiceover. Um, but as I understand it, Extinction Rebellion's angle on this is we need to act like we're in an emergency because we are. Yes, well, well, well we either are, I agree with you, we're, we're either in a client emergency or we're not. And if we are in one, then the, the fact of the matter is that people have got to make a lot of huge decisions and behavioral changes. Is that not right? I mean, really big yeah. behavioural changes. It's 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 true. It's true. Um, but if we, I'm thinking about so a couple of years ago, the UN. We talked about the other day, Dad. Do you remember the UN uh, a couple of years ago said there are only 60 more harvests that the soil yes. of this planet can maintain in the current way that we're using them. So if we increase the way that we're using them, that will be less harvests. I'm looking at my little daughter your granddaughter who is hmm. uh, only six and a half now and my son who'll be five next week and i'm thinking that's not enough food for their life yes and that's terrifying yes dude. so um and uh, and i can i can make as many choices as i can at my personal level and it probably will have near to no effect on the situation i'd say no effect in fact so as I see it, what we're needing to do is go well beyond our personal choice and move into a place of rapidly finding throughways, pathways, doorways into the big conversations, the places where these systems meet, and to figure out how to rapidly change the way that the big systems are operating. And so XL, as uncomfortable as it might be, has a uh, successful strategy because it's working of getting right into these like pressure points, these acupressure points of, of the big systems and, and that I support. And does that mean, um, do, does that mean I might need to pick up a hammer one day and break a window somewhere? If I, I, I suppose if I believe that that's going to be the only way to do it, yes, I would. 
because I'm more and more understanding the severity of the situation. And we're not actually even talking about in 60 years time, we're talking about the people whose lives are lost today, the people who can't be fed right now. Being, um, there, there is huge case studies around the actual destruction and death that Shell causes year on year already. So it's a sort of a, it's a right now crisis. Well, I, I believe that. And, and but I think there seems to be a huge disconnect between what is being said on the one hand and, and, and on the other hand, what is actually being done, which is very little. I mean, it's vanishingly small, really, what, what is being done. Yes. Um, so on the one hand, the UK government, uh, was it two years ago, uh, declared that there was a climate emergency. Yes. You know, it's like we're in a, we're in a phony, you know, you've heard the expression phony war, because yes. there was a phony war. It's like we're in a phony emergency, mm-hmm. because it, it, mm-hmm. we're not really doing anything that I can see that is really going to be remotely impactful enough. Well, that's yeah. the problem. All of our systems are, have become reactive rather than having any kind of foresight. You know, we're not, we're not thinking about the future at the moment. We're turning into a plastic planet. <laughs> and um, I don't think that democracy is going to work on this subject. Um, and like I said before, I wouldn't choose to pick up a hammer either. But if I was desperate, then I would. Um, I could see how I could end up in the position of one of the seven quite easily. And um, I just think I, I, I slightly have a different opinion than Tracy in that I think that the individual choices do matter as well as, um, you know, the, what you were saying about the, the acupuncture pressure points of the system conversation. You're so much more eloquent than I am, but um, I, 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 I truly believe that the choices I make every day and the, the conversations that I have with the people around me um, that I try to have compassionately matter and, I, and, and but the problem is, is that what Tracy was saying about the systems is that if we all chose to be vegan, would we then care about how those vegan products were farmed? Because th- th- the problem is the system. It's not what or what we're eating or what we're consuming. It's who's who is providing it and how they are producing those products. Like we, Dad, you and I have talked about Tetra Packs and, you know, we've had conversations where you, you found an oat milk that you like that comes in packaging that's not recyclable, but it makes great coffee. I think we have to learn how to sacrifice the small satisfaction that we get from having products that we like that last for such a short amount of time. There's we also, have to start. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying, but there's, you know, going back to my point about disconnect, there's also a big disconnect, even with the, even with the chief proponents of the climate emergency, you know, taking it seriously. I mean, even the people, uh, the celebrities, for instance, and the members of royalty who say that we should fly less and do this and do that, but they go around, they go to the conferences in, you know, on one jet with three of them on board it. And, you know, there's all that going on, which just seems odd to me. And then we have climate conferences where everybody flies, you know, all the politicians fly in, uh, with all these emissions going on when they could do the, what we're doing here and having a zoom call you know I, I mean i conduct my business with zoom calls i know you do as well tracy and and you know i i, I think it's pretty effective 
Um, these are things that if, if, if people's behavior was consistent with the words they're speaking, I think that would at least be a help and it would help convince other people that there really is an emergency because I don't think the public at large really believe that. Yes, well, I, I think that's very true. And I, and I definitely, I'm not in a place of saying personal action mean, means nothing. I believe it means something. Um, it's, I suppose, the way that I'm seeing it is that um, it's, it's not enough quickly. It's not, it's not fast enough. It's not the rapid enough action that we need. And, and actually, the whole time that we have a system where the CEOs of huge corporations are actually legally obliged to make as much profit as they can do for a business, mm. shareholders, uh, come what may, come whatever destruction, we are, um, we all might be recycling nicely and eating vegan and cycling and using Zoom, but essentially what's happening is the planet is still falling apart around us because that's the way it's structured. So we need to change those laws and we need to change the way things are regulated to upgrade the behavior of those that have so much power. But if, 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 people would, if people were choosing products, I mean, to give you, to, to give you a, sort of a really small example, but if people were, were choosing, for instance, to support Tesla <clears throat> with, um, with, with, with it, uh, buying, by buying its cars and by uh, getting its solar panels and by getting its solar battery, you know, it's, to, you know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't really matter that the Tesla um, management had a responsibility to the shareholders because the what the company is producing is, you know, extremely helpful for this sort of situation. It's is that true, not, but if you just think for a moment about what percentage of society can actually afford to choose Tesla. Yeah, but that, that's just an example. But there, there are, you know... That's the, point. that's the point, though, because nearly all the options of going green, let's say, mm -hmm. only are, can be met by those in the very, very top earning pockets of the country and in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, all the products that people like Shell make serve everybody. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so that's it's a good point. really a wealth distribution issue that we have again. So yet again, we have... The world being, you know, the, everything being in the hands of such a small percentage of people. Yes. Um, so it's just, a, it's just simply not working. And to try to help people change their purchasing choices when their lives are on the line every day, like, can I even feed my children today? It's just not realistic, I don't think. I think it's like a really tough side of this is that we, ca we can't expect that of people that ha have been so deeply oppressed. Um, you know, we've gone through a year and a half now where many children in this country have been fed from food banks or haven't even had three meals a day. I mean, like how on earth do we, it's not about changing hearts and minds of those people. They need, they need to be fed and have a warm mm. house and have clothes. So we have to look to the, we have to look to the place where the biggest uh, destructive action is being, is going on and there's profit being made from it because that profit is actually surplus to their needs. Oh, yes. Most so it's just that, um, that whole school dinners thing is a really good example of the disparity between, you know, of austerity, really. You know, the fact that this big agency is being paid all this money to feed children their school lunches and what they provide them with them with is something that's completely inadequate. Yes. 
Yeah, and that's a really good example of what's happening all the time with everything. Yeah. The, the, the problem with the thing about the poor, you know, the, the poor of the world, particularly who can't feed, you know, who need to obviously feed themselves and shelter themselves and sort of the most basic things of life, the needs of life, is that a lot of people who are anti um, the whole, or who, who consider the climate change thing to be overblown, would say that this is a lot about um, investing in renewable technology at the expense of those communities because they can't afford that and they need fossil they need this old technology that produces co2 emissions in because that's the fastest route Mm -hmm. um for people like in china and people in india and so on you know to 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 get get a better life and i think that is it is problematic that don't you think yes but the, the frame at the moment, the way that we do things is we extract profit at every single part of the whole chain, don't we? So we're, we, we, we're continually drawing things away from where it needs to be put back in. If, we, if, if companies took less out of each stage of things, we wouldn't have this huge uh, um, difference between those with and those without. You know, if people were paid properly, I mean, properly, it doesn't make sense that we pay people minimum wage and yet a company takes a profit, in my mind. That just doesn't make Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, in fact, there's so much on this that I'm with you about, but there's also so much that we could, we could develop here. <laughs> and uh, we've, we've gone sort of quite a bit over time as it is. Um, yeah, I think, I hope you'll come on again, Tracy, because it's really, really fascinating. You should just have your own podcast. I mean, you're just amazing. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me want to just sit back and not say anything. I believe everything she says. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> what she said, yeah. Oh, gosh, no, um, I, just, like, that's I, I do feel passionate about all of these things, and uh, and I do feel like I'm still very much in a learning place with it. But I, I have talked a lot. Thank you. I, I, uh, I love talking with you both, and I'd love to. Well, we, we, we've loved having you on. I actually wanted to get into the three core demands of Extinction Rebellion, mm-hmm. um, which very briefly, one, to tell the truth about climate, two, to take rapid action, which we've, of course, discussed about. But thirdly, I think there's a lot to be discussed around the <clears throat> their ideas on what they call deliberative democracy in, in, in the form of uh, mm-hmm. citizens' um, assemblies. Yes. Um, I think because I heard a, a young Irish woman who's part of Extinction Rebellion speaking very um, articulately about the whole subject, but I found I immediately started seeing problems with it mm. that I wanted to debate with you with you both. So maybe that's something that we could we could line up for another time if uh, if you both were <laughs> up for that. anyway um i hope um thank you very much tracy for coming on and and, um, sharing your special um perspective on the trial and the amazing result there are are, of course um, a, a, a number of other as you will know actions um prosecutions that uh Extinction Rebellion protesters, again, in very similar circumstances, are going to have to um, deal with. Um, and I, again, I worry for them because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that the, the powers that be, be won't find some way of 
um, cutting this uh, jury, null jury nullification, um, you know, off at the knees. You know, governments um, have a way of doing that, don't they? Um, but, but let's see what let's see what happens, and we'll follow that with great interest. Um, so, dear listeners, I hope you um, enjoyed that as much as I did, uh, having two daughters. Um, uh, discussing these things with me i i find it such a privilege to be able to do this um, at this time in my life well any time in my life but particularly at this time in my life now that i have a bit of time to do it it's just a lovely lovely thing to do so thank you both very much thank you listeners and uh, please do let us have your feedback um on on this subject i'd really like to hear what i i'm, I'm i really don't know what a lot of you are going to say about this um, should we be supporting people taking criminal, uh, causing criminal damage? Uh, what do you think about climate change? Do you have a different views to, than we've expressed here? Love to hear what you've got to, to say, and we will read everything that you, as we always do, everything that you send to us, and uh, and uh, we may well um, use some of that content in a in a future show. So. Thanks again, and uh, for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And <laughs> from me. Thank you Bye. both very much. Bye for now. See you next week. <laughs>